0: Hello, everybody, and again welcome to the K Cast Podcast. That's right, Levi, the K Cast Podcast. Today we're in Revelation chapter 12. Let's pray as we begin. Father in heaven, again we ask for your Holy Spirit to teach each one of us. We want to see you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman. Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Verse 2 Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now, it's talking about a woman. Oftentimes in Scripture, a woman represents a religious body. If a woman is clothed in white, oftentimes that represents Christ's true church. A woman who is scantily clad or clothed in, in rags could represent an apostate church. But here, this woman is representing God's true church. This woman has clothed with the sun, most likely representing the glory of God in light of the gospel. With the moon under her feet, many commentators believe that this is in reference to the systems and types and shadows of the Old Testament, which were eclipsed by the greater revelation that came through Christ. An example would be the temple system or the sacrificing of a lamb that pointed to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on Calvary's cross. This woman also has a garland on her head of 12 stars. This most likely represents victory, a crown. And 12 stars, the 12 patriarchs or the 12 apostles, possibly both. This woman, or the church, is with child. And she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. That is speaking to the soon arrival of the Messiah. Verse 3, And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems, or crowns, on his head. It is sliding over, actually, to verse 9 that gives us a definition of that dragon. It says this, The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. And so the great dragon, fiery dragon, is Satan. But here, the symbol represents Satan as working through pagan Rome. You see, Rome was the political ruling power of the world when Jesus was born. There are seven heads. There are ten horns. You say, what what does all of this represent? What What does it mean? The seven heads most likely represent political powers that championed the cause of the dragon, through which the dragon exercised its persecuting power. Ten horns could represent a number of things. The beast in chapter 13 and chapter 17 also had ten horns. Others see in the ten horns of the dragon a more general designation for the minor political powers through which Satan has operated in contrast with the seven heads. Either way, it seems that whether it's the ten horns or seven heads, these are political powers by which the enemy, the dragon, Satan himself, uses to bring persecution upon the church of Jesus they are represented as having crowns. In other words, they have some type of authority. Again, it gives credence the idea that these are political powers. It says upon their heads, they're in the same. Verse four. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars. This certainly could be in reference to what is talked about in verses 7 through 12 when Satan led a rebellion and war in heaven and took a third of the angels with him out of heaven when they were cast out. This verse also speaks to the idea that the enemy, the dragon, was ready to devour and to kill the Messiah as soon as he was to be born. Verse 5. She bore a male child. The Messiah came. Amen. Jesus was born to the earth, who was to rule over all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. It speaks to the idea that Jesus ascended to heaven after he resurrected from the grave. Verse 6. Then the woman, that's the church, the church of God, fled into the wilderness, into a sparsely uh, populated area where she has a place prepared by God. God prepared a place for his true church to hide out from the persecutions and the efforts of the dragon, where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her 1,260 days. This is a place prepared by God for God's true church to hide out from the persecutions of the enemy where for 1,260 days, or as we talked about in previous studies, years, God would feed God would grow his church in spite of the persecutions and the efforts of the dragon Again, it is believed, we believe, that from 538 uh, AD to 1798, the church was under special persecution, but God prepared a place. God prepared times and places and people to take care of his church. The earth, actually, it says. In verse 16, actually helped the woman, helped the church. One example of this would be the Waldensees. Hiding there in the Alps, in the mountains, these mountains seemed like this cathedral of sanctuary where for hundreds of years, God's church studied prayed, worshipped together, they copied, made made copies of the word of God, would sneak down into the villages and share portions of scripture with people. The church was nourished, the church was protected, the earth swallowed up the efforts of the dragon and his persecution, where God kept his church going in spite of the efforts of the enemy during this persecuting time period. Verse 7, And it's verse 7 through 12 that kind of takes us back a little bit. We're hearing about all of the persecutions that the enemy is bringing against Christ's church. But it takes us back kind of to the beginning of this great controversy between Christ and Lucifer. Kind of rewinding, giving us some more background. Here's what it says in verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael. Who exactly is Michael? Michael. The Hebrew Hebrew, uh, translation of the name Michael means who is like God. You remember this all started because Lucifer not only wanted to be like God, he wanted to be God. The name Michael referred in the book of Daniel as one of the chief princes. Also in the book of Daniel as that great prince. The book of Jude refers to Michael as the archangel. A further study will reveal that this Michael is none other than Jesus. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. That's Lucifer, Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. It speaks to the, the moment in time where there was this war in heaven and Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven. They were no longer allowed to live in heaven. It does seem, though, that for a time, Satan still had access to heavenly beings. It, as a prince of this world, as Jesus referred to him in several places, that he may have had access to the heavenly courts where it goes on to say in verse 10, that he would accuse the brethren. It's actually there in 10 and into 11. Here's what 10 says. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and of the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their lives to death. There in verse 10, it speaks to the idea that it was possibly at the cross that until the cross, again, Satan had access to heaven and heavenly beings to a limited extent, again, prince of the world, that Jesus called the enemy there in John 12, verse 31. But it seems there at the cross that a decisive moment, this act occurred as the Lord himself declared, John 12, 31, that he no longer has this access, where he can accuse people day and night before the throne. And they overcame him. They overcame the purposes, the the actions of the enemy, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Literally, it means based on the blood, because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In other words, because of their experience with Jesus, because of their own personal experience with the gospel. You see, we overcome based on the blood of Jesus and by our, not somebody else's, our own personal experience with Jesus. What a testimony there at the end of verse 11. They did not love their lives even unto death. They would rather die than not be obedient to Christ. That's the most important thing to God's people. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Rejoice, O heavens, because the enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been cast down. But notice what it says Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Why? For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. And so those dwelling on the earth, the church, cannot yet rejoice, because persecution from the dragon, from Satan, is still coming. Verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman, the church of Jesus, who gave birth to the male child. Verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. The church was given the ability to flee with great speed. That she might fly into the wilderness to her place. It's a place prepared by God. Where she is nourished can grow for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. This time times and a half a time comes out to three and a half Years. A time is one year, times is two years, and a half is a half a year. So it's three and a half. If you add days to that, in other words, that there's 360 days per year in the Jewish calendar, that comes up to 1260 days, or that same number as we've been talking about so often, 1260 years. So for this amount of time, God has prepared a place. God is nourishing and taking care of his church because that's what he does. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that she might cause, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Again, an example would be the Waldenses hiding in the Alps. Another example would be all of the space as Eastern Europe was just so uh, completely populated, all of a sudden, as we come to the time of the Reformation, there's this new space, there's this new land out in the West, and it's North America, this very sparsely populated place where people are fleeing uh, religious persecution so that they might worship and serve God freely. Verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, the church, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. The offspring, the children, the people of God, these are those who keep the commandments of God. They have special relationship with God. They, they love God, and because they love Him, they want to stay within the parameters of the relationship, i.e., Ten Commandments. And they have the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19.10 defines the testimony of Jesus as the spirit or the gift of prophecy. It is here in this final verse in chapter 12 that it just talks about God's people just submitting to Christ and saying, we we, we want to follow you. We give all of ourselves to you and to your word and to your commandments. And there among this remnant, in the midst of it, is this gift of prophecy. All of this, all of this will point to Jesus. Ah, the obedience to the Ten Commandments that, that they have through the power of Christ, the gift of prophecy in the midst of, of God's remnant people, all of this to point to the supremacy, to point to the lordship, to point to the headship of Jesus as head of the church and the savior of the world. Characteristics of this last day people is that they keep the commandments of God through the power of Christ, in their midst is the gift of prophecy. Back to verse 11, they've overcome not because they just have it all together by their own power. No, it is the in working of the gospel in their lives. They overcame how? On the basis of the blood of Jesus. And because they've had a personal experience, not just a group experience, not their grandparents, not their friends. No, their own personal experience with Jesus. How about you? Thanks so much for listening to the KCAST podcast. We'll talk to you soon.